Welcome back to Sarah and Tech. I'm Sarah, and today my guest is Andrew. Andrew, what's your official title? Uh, I am a senior software engineer. And where do you work? I work at Solid State Operations right now. What do you do for Solid State, uh, other than software engineering? <laughs> You're like, that's everything. <laughs> so, uh, what like, type? Like, as far as, like, what is Solid State? What does, or what do they do? I understand you do software engineering, but mm -hmm. what type of software and what's the purpose of the software that you're building? Um, so we are building a uh, platform for um, unemployment insurance systems for uh, both state and federal governments. And so when you say insurance, is that like health, dental? Uh, unemployment. Oh, okay. Okay. So That's at least right now we... Um, you know, if that goes well, we could expand. So I'm assuming it's definitely been utilized during this pandemic period. Uh, yeah, that was one of our, um, kind of our big selling points. Um, and that was a, you know, one of the news stories, you know, in circulation during, um, you know, during the pandemic was all these, um, kind of archaic unemployment systems that, um, had been built some time ago were basically failing under the amount of pressure that, they were suddenly under, um, and it was basically a, a, a good selling point for us um, to move forward. And uh, so we've got a few states right now that we're working with and building things for them right now. That's really cool. So you've actually been helping a lot of people with the software you've been building. Uh, yes. Does it make you feel really accomplished? It does. So, yeah, I, um, I really like going into work every day and... Kind of that um, that extra bonus of helping people is is nice. So, how did you get into software engineering? Um, you were born, <laughs> then software engineering. <laughs> um, when did you discover you liked computers? Um, so it was probably uh, in my juniorish year of college. Um, I had a physics class actually, um, and the professor showed us how to solve like a really uh, tough problem using um, a script in R. R? Yes. Oh, <laughs> so, tell me about it. <laughs> was, um, basically, there was some matrix math and some statistics that needed to be done to solve the problem, and R had a lot of it, that stuff built in. So, um, with uh, that, he showed us how to solve this really complex problem. And then, you know, if anything changed on it, you could just go change one part of the script or, you know, parameterize it as you needed. And I was like, well, that's how I'm solving all my problems from now on. <laughs> and it just kind of really um, took off from there. And then um, when I was in graduate school, I actually built on that, um, some of that professor's work a little bit. Um, using R um, for scripting um, to get uh, graphs and various answers to um, my research, so. So you did a lot of ggplot? Uh, yes, <laughs> a lot of it, so. So have you worked with matplotlib? Um, a little bit, but not, not as much as I did with ggplot back in the day. So you would say you like ggplot better? 
I'm more versed in it, but I'm willing to give. <laughs> Just trying to get someone to admit they like R better than Python. That's, that's all. That's my I, only angle. I'm more experienced in R. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> Me too. So, so I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> so, but I've, I've used Python and right now I work mostly in C sharp. Um, I just kind of view languages as tools and um, use the right tool for the right problem sort of thing. Have you used Scala at all? I've not. Oh, I I haven't either. I just hear it's horrible to learn. (laughs) Uh, But once you learn it, it is just way super fast. It's just night and day. But Mm -hmm. that's PySpark or rsparkly. uh, Right. It's basically the interface to make. To make that, yeah. Happen. Mm Mm-hmm. So you have um, discovered your love of R and analytics and then how did you transition from being in analytics to being in software engineering because usually those are kind of seen as different do you still deploy models and build models um so not anymore um i uh so when i was in um graduate school for physics i was doing a lot of the modeling and i kind of became the just kind of the guy in the department for any time anybody needed code or um, to write anything in R. Um, and somebody kind of half, it was kind of a half joke said I should, you know, I should look into being a software engineer. Um, I kind of started looking into it a little bit as a career option. And um, basically I, um, I started learning other languages. I started, you know, I learned C and Python, C Sharp, you know, just kind of went through the gambit online um, of just learning all these different languages because I was really excited to just learn them. Um, I just thought it was just a really interesting thing to learn, and I just I seemed to pick up on it pretty easily too, which was um, an advantage. Um, just natural de- disposition towards yeah, it. Yeah, and then... Um, you know, we were, uh, or I was looking, you know, where I wanted to go after college and kind of what I wanted to do. And, um, I just kept putting in for, uh, basically software engineering job after software engineering job. Um, I put in for some analytics jobs. Um, I know we both actually worked at the Idaho national lab. Yes. And I thought that was odd. (laughs) does everyone in idaho secretly work at the idaho national lab at one point in their life that's what i'm coming i feel like i've heard that a few times like because there's somebody i work with now who worked at the inl i saw and i was like really like so yeah i I think a lot of people have worked out there um i think it's just i mean it's not it's not a bad place to work so just in the middle of nowhere just in the middle of nowhere yeah which was which was a problem and so but that's a great place to keep nuclear type right <laughs> is, in, is, is in the middle of nowhere, nowhere. yeah um, yeah that was the other thing um, I graduated it was kind of like you could work at the INL or some other national lab and it's like I don't know if I want to live out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> so um, there are some nice national labs over back east and over I think right outside of LA and stuff yeah I also didn't want to leave Idaho. <laughs> 
That does kind of limit the, the East Coast yeah. versus West Coast so, argument. Yeah. You don't get any coast really in Idaho. Right, yeah. There's not really a coast argument there. Um, and I kind of knew I wanted to move back to Boise because I'm from here and my wife is from here. Uh, and so we started, or so, you know, we started looking for, um, you know, you know, if we could live in Boise and, you know, how much I would have to, um, basically kind of make to make that transition. And, um, I eventually got, you know, a job offer from a consulting firm. Um, I worked there for about two years and, um, I also transitioned from the national lab to a consulting, to consulting firm. firm. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of, I, I've started to notice there's kind of a, a path that <laughs> seems to be what most people follow. Um, and it showed me, uh, you know, I learned a lot there and, you know, I just kind of went deeper into the software engineering side of things. Um, and then I was looking for, you know, just something a little different and a little bit of a career change again. And that's when I found uh, solid state operations and put it in there. And I've been there about four-ish months now. Mm -hmm. So, Remember when you got it, you came to the meetup. And I think you announced it there or something. Yeah, yeah. I think I had I think I'd been there a week. <laughs> you had to, like, present within your first week or something <laughs> for the meetup, which I'm so sorry because that must have been stressful. It was. It was, <laughs> but it was fine. You like, should have like begged off. You should have been like Sarah. Sarah, oh. just pick up the slack. <laughs> well, no, I feel bad doing that because like <laughs> you always have to pick up the slack. So, I mean, it's been weird. It's almost been a whole year where I haven't had to present. I've actually had other people present. Oh, really? I know. I'm like really impressed with everyone. Nice. Following through and making Following commitments. Following through and making, yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. But yeah. Uh, so is there any part of doing software engineering at solid state or just in general that brings you a lot of joy? Um, so I get a lot of joy out of just building things in general, just, and I also get a lot of joy out of, I've built this program to solve problem X and it actually solves problem X. Um, that's always great when a code does well, what you programmed you know, it to do. <laughs> always does what you tell it to do. It's just, not, <laughs> it's just the you. problem is, is you <laughs> right. might not have programmed it right. It right. does exactly what you tell it to do all mm, the time. Right. And so that can, that can definitely be a little frustrating kind of getting there. But, um, but I, I do get a lot of satisfaction out of, wow, look at this problem that wasn't solved before. And now it is. How do you get into your flow state? Flow state being Ooh. like, I am so tunnel vision on this programming. Like my music's jamming, the lights are right. right. No one's gonna talk to me for two hours. How do you get there? Ooh, that's a. I asked a toughie, huh? Yeah. Do I, you get to flow state much I, anymore? I do. It's just it's it's really hard to to get into some days and other days it's like, okay, I need to, um, get there. Um, usually music can kind of help me, um, get into the flow state. But I think really, if I've got a really, and this is kind of ideally, I think, um, like a really like well 
either well-defined layout that like I know I'm going to follow and just kind of burn through. So you start with like a nice outline and then start yeah, punching away in yeah, there? Yeah, if I've got a nice list of things that I can just kind of punch through or if I can, you know, write out, you know, I like a flow diagram or something and it's like, okay, I need to go from point A to point B and this is how to do it. And if I can do, if I can start going and not hit any blocks or walls or, oh, I need to call somebody sort of thing. Or I have a meeting. Yeah. Or a meeting comes up. Or so. someone starts slacking me. Hey, hey, do this right. thing. Do this thing. Yeah. If somebody else needs help. And then <laughs> so, so yeah, so that can definitely, um, uh, kind of, that can definitely like it, like definitely get interrupted, especially now that like, um, people are starting to be kind of back in the office. It's a lot easier now to like go tag somebody. Um, but I've, I've noticed a lot of people are pretty good. If you've got headphones in and you're sitting there jamming, they'll leave you alone. I notice cause I work from home like two days a week. Right. When I work from home, mm-hmm. I totally get into my flow. And when I work right. in the office, it's like, it's a futile attempt now. <laughs> right. It's like, I apparently am here just for meetings and socialization and right. Nerf gun fights. I just didn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. Like at, at home, it's definitely, it can definitely be a lot easier to get into the flow state. Cause the only thing I have to worry about is like my dogs interrupting me. It's like, Oh crap. You have to go outside again. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I mean, that's really all I do to kind of try to achieve that. Are there any things in software engineering that you see in the future that really excite you? So we were just talking about something interesting at work today. Um, GitHub's pilot AI, um, where you basically just, um, in a structured format, but you tell it what you want the code, like what you want it to do. And it'll make the code for you. Um, And Ah. what they've done is they've, um, I was was reading about it um, after we got done talking about it at work today. Um, basically they've taken the entire open source that they have and ran an AI over it. And And they have some of the most complete open source code in the entire world through many different languages. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think it's, I think you can only get like a technical preview of it right now, but, um, looking on their site and looking at what it can do, it looked really impressive, um, to at least kind of eliminate, um, some of the boilerplate code, at least that, um, you know, sometimes you still have to spend some time writing. I once read an article that said DevOps is going to be like no longer a thing in like a decade or two. Do you think that is going to come to fruition with this mm. auto, um, code generation? So I haven't done a whole lot of actual DevOps work um or software engineering i suppose well for software engineering i think i think it'll just change how it looks i think it'll look very different but i think as of right now with like github's uh copilot program that they have um it it works but as far as like whether or not like the code that you get is optimized or um you know, is it, is it really the best way to write that, um, sort of thing? I think that's going to be a shortcoming for, for a while, um, for it. And then, um, 
after that, you know, uh, and, and people who are more experienced than me have said this is, you know, it'll probably become more like business analyst um, type of job where a business person is going to tell you what they need and you're going to translate that into the structured language for the, um, for something like the co-pilot to write. I mean, I firmly believe, at least for data science, they're mm-hmm. coming out with all these REST APIs. Right. And so you just throw data at it, it mm-hmm. and it does something in the back end and then it gives the thing out that you want. Right. And the only problem is you have to pay for them a lot of right. money. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, then data scientists will only be serving, solving very terribly interesting problems, <laughs> uh, which might be a good or a bad thing, and or you're going to become an API curator right. in which you're like, ah, oh, this GCP and this AWS and this Azure APIs kind of all do the same thing, but this one's tweaked in such a way that it does it better. Do right. you think GitHub has any competitors in this space, really? Because, um, I mean, I don't know anything that has that much code in a repo. <laughs> right. Um, I don't know. The, the Copilot program just came to mind because, like, we had talked about it today at work. Well, um, I find the, that but, space terribly interesting, and I know there's, like, a lot of work going on in it. Right. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if GitHub has anything. I Like, not that I've heard of, at least. So. I mean, like... Have you ever heard of another code repo other than GitHub? Right. I, I so, haven't. Fair that's enough. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I haven't heard anything. That's why I'm like, <laughs> but um, yeah, that space is interesting. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that keeps you up at night? <laughs> You're like everything, Sarah. <laughs> so, why so are you things. asking um, Yeah, you are asking the hard questions. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> um, but um, if a... I'm really bad about not leaving work at work. And if a task has just stumped me, it will definitely, it can definitely keep me up at night and I will lose sleep over it. Um, But that's how you know you're a good software engineer. You keep running mental cycles over the problem. Well, (laughs) that's fair. Um, I'm sure your employer loves it. Right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think I think that that that's usually the only time that like I'm kind of up thinking about software programs or if we're kind of discussing um, architecture or design. Um, you know, one of my coworkers said we we were writing unit tests at one time, and one of my coworkers said something that just made me stop and think because I hadn't thought about it in that way before. And it was just kind of a different way of thinking about it. Um, or maybe it really wasn't even a different way of thinking. About it. it was just kind of a different way of phrasing the problem. And so that kind of kept me up one night. And then the next morning I came to him and I said, okay, here's what I'm thinking. And here's what you said yesterday. And we were able to make the two, the two things line up. Um, so stuff like that can definitely uh, keep me up. I mean, I know a lot of times I, like, think about stuff in the background while I'm mm-hmm. doing other things. Right. When I wake up in the morning, I have my eureka moment, and then right. I want to, like, I got to go code. I had my yeah. eureka moment. I, I know had, what I need to do now. <laughs> I have to execute on this now. <laughs> or I write it down it. somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any advice that you want to give to your grandkids? <laughs> it doesn't have to be software engineering, but if you had a hypothetical grandchild... <laughs> 
you're like, Sarah, these questions are <laughs> off the wall. Where are you coming up with them? <laughs> no, I'm trying to think that far in the future and where technology is going to be. You're like, I'm just trying to think of my child. So right. I don't, <laughs> do you and your wife have a child? <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, do you want children? How about that question? Oh, oh <laughs> I know it's a very common thing. There's even a subreddit called No Kids. <laughs> I mean, we've we've thought about it. Um and kind of still, I think we're still kind of both getting our, because we're both still really early on in our careers. So I think we're trying to get a little bit more established first. That's usually a good thing to do. So and a lot of people that have careers usually aim for their mid to late thirties. <laughs> it's totally okay. Not that my opinion on anything that happens in your private life matters. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, do you have any advice that you think would be like surpass the passing of time? Like, Oh boy. <laughs> My favorite one is always like, always remember that everyone has their like personal battles that they're struggling with mm -hmm. and to give everyone kindness. Kind of um, always tend towards empathy. Yeah. I was, oh, you stole my answer now. Oh, sorry. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, you know, I heard uh, some great advice one time was that, uh, you know, one of the best soft, one of the best soft skills that software engineers, software developers, um, data scientist, anybody, anybody writing code or anybody like in a technical field can have is, is empathy and being understanding. Um, and that, and this goes uh, from every, you know, it's pretty obvious to look at that and say, well, that makes sense um, to, you know, put yourself in the shoes of a user uh, when you're designing something and design it for them and be able to do that. But also putting yourself in the shoes of, you know, maybe a junior developer or developer that has a different type of experience than you do. Um, and just being empathetic to maybe how they learned, you know, to code or to develop software. That's some good advice. So I think, yeah. I mean, usually a good team is a diverse team that has a lot of different strengths. Mm -hmm. that come together to build the product. Right. Because if everyone comes from the same angle, sometimes that doesn't always yeah. make a durable product. Right. A lot of group thinking. <laughs> uh, so why outside of software engineering and everything like that brings you a great amount of joy? Um, you know, spending time uh, with my wife and our two dogs um, that you know, that brings me a lot of joy and, you know, there's more to life than just work and writing code all the time. <laughs> That's good. So. I'm glad that it's not just writing code all the time. I'd be worried about you if it was. Right. Um, you know, I do the typical nerd things like play video games and, um, you know, we're having a heat wave in the Northwest right now, but, uh, I'm just hiding inside with the AC. Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, my wife and I like to be outdoors. We roller skate and we go <gasps> You hiking. roller skate? Do you quad or inline? She quads. <gasps> I inline. Does she play derby? She is afraid to play derby. Oh. <laughs> well, if she ever wants to quad with a fellow girl, that I, I love going on the uh, the green belt and oh, yeah. going for miles and miles. So uh, if she ever wants to go on the green belt and roller skate, right. like, let me know. Okay. I'll go with her. <laughs> yeah, we um, yeah we started last year, and then we were looking at you know kind of starting again, and then we had the sea wave. So 
my fiance is trying to pick up roller skating right now. Oh, gosh, yeah. So, but then the heat wave <laughs> happened and we're like, oh my gosh, we don't want to bike. We don't want to. Just staying inside. <laughs> yeah. What's your current favorite video game? Um, um, I've, I've just been enjoying like, um, just kind of going through like the most recent Assassin's Creed. Um, what number are they on now? Five. Oh, okay. Technically. <laughs> like I, it's not I really five, but you know. Yeah, I played it back in like college. I think they right. were at like two or three. Yeah, it's really different now, but yeah, I'm just kind of going through that. I kind of like the single player games and story driven. Mm-hmm. I also like single player, but mostly stick to strategy. Oh, gotcha. So yeah. like, I have like 500 hours in Civ or something. It's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> so I don't want anyone to know. That's why I totally just said it. That's why you my... totally said it while we're being recorded. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I also like to play Polytopia, which is basically Civ for my cell phone. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, you know, I, I know my strengths and I know what I like. <laughs> Do you have a favorite technology stack? Um, so I've worked the most... Um, with .NET Core and .NET Framework, um, which is the standard C-sharp. And it's nice because there's just a lot of things already there for it. Um, and it just it just seemed like, maybe it's just because I've worked in it for so long now. Um, that seems very easy to use. And then um, I, don't, I don't really do front-end development anymore, but when I did, I used Angular. And once I got over the learning curve on Angular, it was very nice. Do you have a favorite programming language? Oh, I don't like that question. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> um, do you have a programming language that you feel most comfortable in? Um, I am very comfortable in C Sharp. And if you gave me a day back in R, I would probably be really comfortable <gasps> in it. Ah. Um, <laughs> and then, it, you know, Python, I'm fairly comfortable in. Yeah, m most, most of, like, the modern ones that are commonly used. So Pascal and Fortran, those are your homeboys, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> no, <like> no, no, no. <laughs> those are a little, little bit passe, huh? Right. <laughs> so do you have any closing thoughts? Um, As far as... I mean, like, <laughs> stay strong and always program. Right. Hide in the AC, you know, <laughs> roller skate. Um, you know, I would say, you know, anybody who's, um, you know, looking at, um, you know, doing software development or software engineering, there are just, you know, the wealth of the Internet. We have so many, like, great resources um, to learn about you know, not only how to do it, but like what it's, what it's like to be in the field. Um, you know, I actually, you know, I started watching a YouTube channel like this, um, one day and that channel is just, you know, uh, the guy who runs that channel is just kind of blown up over the last couple of years now. Um, then, you know, just, you know, go watch a YouTube video and just see what you can pick up from it. There's actually I think quite a few YouTubers that advocate for not getting a formal education because you can get the same for free on the internet. Mm -hmm. The only problem is employers don't know how to measure that as well. 
And so getting the first job tends to be difficult. Tends to be a little bit more difficult. Yeah, I can, I can see that. And it's, it's so hard for me to comment on that argument too. And it's, I mean, do we have I mean, time, do oh we have time yeah, to get into totally, it? Oh yeah, we totally, like, we can keep going It's a, It's while. a really interesting conversation to me because I, I don't have a computer science degree. Right? I, I don't have a computer science degree. One of the best programmers I know doesn't even have a bachelor's degree. And right. I'm just going <laughs> to drop that they make 175 plus bonus and they don't even have a bachelor's. Okay, so, so in case anyone's wondering, <laughs> right, um, I have a master's, so I'm not talking about me. <laughs> right. Um, and so, you know, I had... You know, I had, you know, I had learned programming, you know, through my physics degrees and everything. And then I would like after college, I was kind of self-taught, just kind of learning on my own. So I, I'm kind of in this weird, weird world of, I was somewhat self-taught and somewhat academically trained and, um, but yeah, it's just, it's very interesting that you don't need any sort of degree in this field anymore. You, well, I think a lot of people, at least in data science, they mm. want that PhD. They want that MS. Yes. And I'm like half the time I'm like, I know really good people that don't even have a bachelor's. Right. Yeah. And I think, well, I think data science is a little bit of a harder sell, right? Because you need to be understanding the statistics of the matter. Mm-hmm. Um. But anyone can but watch anybody, a bunch anybody, anyone can do that. So I don't know. I mean, go <laughs> memorize some equations, build your own EM algorithm right. on a for loop in R, slap a sticker on you, and call you a data scientist, right? right? Yeah. Like, and you know, there's, you know, there's so many like boot camp programs out there as well now, um, you know, that are online or in person, depending on. And there's a lot that will even let you take the boot camp for free. And then you have to sign a contract that you'll pay like 5% of your income for the next amount of X years. Right, yeah. And it, I mean, and they're sustainable is the crazy part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a very interesting kind of conversation. Yeah, I mean, I know some places that require a PhD. Mm-hmm, right. To just even be a data scientist. Mm-hmm. And that's different. That Yeah, that's... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, yeah, PhD seems like a bit of a high requirement. So yeah, they there's not even really PhDs in data science either. Right. It's just the generality of having one. Yeah, and I, I think suppose. I think you're I think you'll start to see that change because I I've started to see masters in data science programs pop up mm-hmm. um, over the last couple of years, and I think you'll start to see PhD programs in it kind of pop up as well. Um, were you familiar with like the rise of the OS developer? No. Okay, so like, <laughs> go back to like, I'm not perfect on the recounting of this because I'm not mm. an OS developer. Right. But back in like the early 2000s, OS developers, there was a lacking of them. And so a bunch of people rushed to become OS developers, and mm-hmm. then there were too many. And then you could never get a job as an OS developer. Right, and there because lo- the market had been saturated. saturated. Yeah. Um. And a lot of people are drawing parallels between that in this field called data science, mm-hmm. because there's a bunch of people rushing to get boot camps and right. bachelor's and master's degree mm-hmm. to go into that field, right? Or switching into it, and then, and then the market is saturated and you can't get in. And I think, so when when do you remember the timeline for that? Mm. Do you remember like when that happened? 
Um, I want to say it was like early 2000s through like mid to late 2000s, like 2005, 2007, somewhere in there. Um, it, I mean, yeah. I was still in like undergrad, so maybe that doesn't make sense. Hmm. <laughs> anyway. But, uh, all, all that to say, my point with that would be that, you know, we're living in this world where we're using more and more technology and we're we're getting more, you know, companies are collecting more and more and more data. And so I think they're going to be con like, like if it keeps going the way it does, there could be an infinite number of problems to solve, right? But I mean, there's only so many different ways that you can do facial recognition. That's true. It's like, mm -hmm. I mean, they do have problems with certain ethnicities having facial recognition working right. on them. Mm -hmm. uh, but beside that point, once they have solved those all of the way right. into perfection and actually have a balanced training data set, mm -hmm. um, is there truly another way to recognize the human face in real time? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, and they probably have REST APIs that do that. And I know right. there's very simple out of the box, like bounding box algorithms that will do it in real time for free mm -hmm. on your video data that'll bound box around you while you're moving right. and, and can identify very simple objects like that's a table that's a chair right that's a human yeah and i think like you'll get it i mean then you just i mean because you'll want it to start identifying more and more complex objects right um you know but especially with the rise of like self-driving cars and Oh, don't get me started. Oh. I have <laughs> no. to ride in a Tesla that has an autopilot way too often, so I have a lot of opinions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a landmine. We probably shouldn't talk we, about we it. We shouldn't go there. <laughs> so, let me <laughs> so let me just say. Um, but, yes. But, yeah, I just, I mean, because, I mean, there could be another, you know, because we had you know, companies were collecting so much data that we came up with a new term, big data, for it. I mean, is there going to be another... But the term big data existed in statistics. That's true. And, I mean, there was even a course for me for big data in statistics when I was in grad school. Right. Before neural nets were even a thing. I know, right. I'm that old. <laughs> <laughs> when bag of words was a new NLP technique. Oh <laughs> I know, I am just... Well, I mean, it was innovative. Not a new technique, but it was innovative that right. you were putting it on things. Gotcha. Now everyone's like... That's like the first technique you learn in an NLP class. But Gotcha. <laughs> So closing thoughts. Closing thoughts, right. Um, <laughs> Other than I have a crazy opinion about self-driving cars, <laughs> which I will not share. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think um, just to close with, um, I don't know if you have an interest in any sort of technology or technical career, um, just start searching the internet and seeing what resources are out there and start looking into it. Because there are a lot of ways to teach yourself how to code for free. Yep. Outside the classroom. Yep. There's a lot of free free ways out there as well. And and a lot of jobs now have take-home technical assessments. And mm -hmm. so I'm assuming a lot of those that have that, like, take-home and do this technical, where you actually program in Python and all that. Right. That they probably don't care if you have a degree or not as long as you can program as in Python. As long as you can, yeah, pass the assignment. <laughs> So, very good advice. I feel like we need, like, 
Pink Floyd song, like another brick in the wall or something. <laughs> Insert it just right here. Just, <laughs> it might do that for you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for coming on Sarah and Tech. Yeah, no problem. I really appreciate it. Thanks for watching Sarah and Tech. This is Sarah and Andrew saying see ya. Thanks for listening to Sarah in Tech. Feel free to email me at sarah at sarahintech.net or follow me on Instagram at sarahintech. Hope you enjoyed listening.